everybody, and welcome back to Don't Quit Your Day Job. My name is Paul, and I'm your host. And after what seems like a hundred years, my mentor, my favorite guitar player in the world is back on the show, Mr. Mark Tremelia. Mark, buddy, hey. Hello, stranger. (laughs) I've been very old. I've gotten very old. (laughs) Have you been? I'm good. Uh, It has been a long time. You've been very busy. You've been out touring and playing and doing some cool stuff. Yeah, but not as busy as you. And no matter what I do, it's still not as cool as anything that you do. I think you're 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 selling yourself way short. <laughs> it's way cooler. <laughs> so let's start with uh, let's start with day job. So Big Brother, you've been keeping busy doing lighting and stuff on that show. Yeah, um, I have. So. When 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 you when we talked about this last time, it was very busy, right? You you working a lot, yeah. and and that has basically yeah. been what it's been. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I, I came back from tour, and uh, excuse me, I worked a couple uh, commercials, and then I went right to Big Brother, and we basically built the house up into July fifth, and that's when the first episode started. And once the house gets are in there, especially during the summer months. They don't need us to light as much outside for the games because, well, you know, the sun's out there right. all that time. So basically, uh, I stopped Big Brother this Friday and I'm going to the new George Lopez sitcom and I'm going to work on that, which is called Lopez versus Lopez. I think it's going to be on ABC and uh, should be a lot of fun on the Universal lot. Stage 25. <laughs> so uh, speaking of Universal lot, so then you have credentials and you can just can you go anywhere once you're on the lot? Yes. Yeah. I ride my bike everywhere. I ride my bike all through the attractions and everything. I, I, I go and I'll sit and eat lunch in the little town square, you know, where Back to the Future and all like uh, all the TV shows have as their little town. I'll go eat there. And yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so how big is it? It must be enormous, right? It's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. It's real big. Yeah. And I've, I yeah, I've pedaled up to the park and everything. <laughs> and. If there are things f- filming there, like are there other things like movies and stuff happening while oh, you're also yeah. working? Oh. oh, yeah. There's there there's like 30 stages there. So uh, like Steve Harvey's show is going on. Um, uh, what's her name? The great singer from The Voice, um, like the first winner. I can't think of her name. She has a talk show, too. Um, oh, my God. Kelly. Uh, Kelly something something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it'll it'll come to me uh, after, but I because I see her poster Kelly every time. Clarkson. I, I, Kelly Clarkson. That's the one. Okay. Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, <laughs> she's got she's got a talk show. But then the voices on there, they do tons of Marvel movies on there. They do Beyonce was just doing a commercial in the stage next to us because uh, some of my coworkers were like, "Oh my God, Beyonce is she's over here right now." Um, yeah, so there's always a lot of productions going on. There's sitcoms that shoot there. There's um, you know, a regular, um, what do they call it? Episodic, you know, like, uh, the CSI kind of shows that shoot there. So can you just like go into a stage where something else is going on or is there security that keeps you out or how does that work? So theoretically you're not supposed to like there's signs, you know, pr- production only or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's like any job, you know what I mean? You're in an office building, and if you know the guy that works in, you know, up in the up in corporate, and you work down in the mailroom, you can still <laughs> go up and see your buddy in corporate. You know what I mean? Right. And that's kind of how it is. Is like, you know, 
Like uh, my buddies were all working on a show called Smallwood with Pete Holmes about a bowler. It was a sitcom. It was I thought it was hilarious. And I'm a big Pete Holmes fan anyways. But I would go over there all the time. And, you know, they would say, you know, production only signs everywhere. But I would just go in and sit for a few takes and talk to my friends. And, you know, we were waiting, waiting for stuff to get done on Big Brother. So what are the chances that you'll be walking around and someone will be like, oh, that dude looks interesting. Let's grab him and he can be in this next scene. So what's what's the likelihood of that, Mark? I would say pretty, pretty well zero, honestly, because, <laughs> you know, what people don't realize is like these people in Hollywood, they have everything figured out how they want it. You know what I mean? They have casting agents and producers have an amazing, crazy job to do. And directors have a crazy job to do and like wrangling people and putting it together. So it's so rare that somebody would randomly go oh we need somebody for this look okay. you know what i mean because they have a portfolio full of professionals who do that shit you know what i mean so they would need hey that's a lighting guy yeah let's let's have him be in a scene <laughs> i mean granted let me I, I could take that back and say i've seen some of my lighting brothers in movies and tv shows playing lighting guys like carrying okay. cables or carrying lights and stuff in the background and they've gotten sag cards out of it and things like that, that so so it, it can definitely it can definitely happen you know <laughs> so you've lived this life of a rock star um to varying degrees of success let's say i mean you've you've had some real success and people recognize you and people want your autograph for as self-deprecating as you can be those are facts right um but any desire to try to get in front of the camera now that you've like been on set and done lighting and seen all like these movie stars and what have you i'm good i i, enjoy, I really enjoy the lighting and everything and it seems honestly like i know they make a lot of money and it's probably way too much but that job is not easy you know to be good at it anyways yeah. you know and like yeah. i've worked with some really big actors and actresses that have blown my mind like they can do the same thing every take and then i've worked with some people that aren't as big that are known and they just think they're the greatest people on earth and they're okay at what they do you right. know what i mean right. so it's but it's like it's it's hard to, to to do take after take where you have to cry or take after take where you have to like feel some awkward emotion that you've never <laughs> had to dig into you know so yeah. it's like it's you know I, I definitely feel for the actors you know like i try to stay out of their way especially when they're getting ready for a scene you know the worst thing is like they're reading lines pacing back and forth trying to get into character and then i like walk by them hit them with a light like, and it's been <laughs> you know like like i walked right by don Cheadle while he was getting in in character once and he looked at me and there's a thing you say when you carry equipment through a crowded area you go points points so people look and they see if something pointy is coming towards them okay. and i wasn't saying anything because i wasn't expecting anybody to be there and he looks at me and he goes points points and i was like uh don Cheadle hates me <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you've made an enemy in don Cheadle. that's uh that's pretty awesome congratulations mark he definitely doesn't know who I am, but at that moment, he really disliked me walking through in his space, in his acting universe. <laughs> so speaking of that, getting into character and concentrating and having to do things over and over again, that's not completely dissimilar to you being in a studio playing guitar and someone saying, that was good, but we wanted 10% more country or 8% more hair metal, right? It, it, exactly. And that's why I can do it on guitar, but I couldn't do it acting because those people spend their whole life and they know how to do those little nuances you're talking about. And that's what I can do on guitar. I just couldn't think of doing it acting unless I 
tried and I just don't want to try. <laughs> I just don't have the interest. So now, again, it's, it's been a while. You've been busy on the TV show. You got back from tour with Crusados. I know that you're gearing up for um, the Big Little Caesar tour in Europe that's coming up in September. Yeah. So what is the what is the prep plan right now? Are you able to to rehearse and do all of those things with with the band? Yeah, luckily, uh, sitcom world uh, allows me some time at night to get uh, some music in because our, our hours are we go in later in the afternoon normally, like, you know, one, two, three o'clock even, sometimes even four, you know, and then uh, we get out of there and I have the night to play music so I can definitely work on stuff. And with Little Caesar, we decided to make this tour special and, and work up tons of songs and try to pay attention to requests and just play stuff we've never played and and keep some of the regulars in there. We don't want to just alienate people, but, you know, throw some in there that people would be like, you know, amazed to hear live because the band is basically has, has never played it live before. So it's, it's got me working a lot. I've been work figuring out a lot of tunes and the rehearsals have been fun because we're not playing the same old, same old, we're not skipping over them, but it's not just going, you know, push the button and play, you know, the last tour was, was so great. And I'm so glad we got to do it, but we had a set of songs that were 17 songs and those were the 17 songs we All could right. play in that order. And any deviation really through the whole thing with, with you know the fill-in drummer that we had because i mean it was all new to him you know right. so it's like I, I get it like let's not throw any anything else in there like that's a lot of music to memorize so so this time you know we have some time to get ready so while we have the time we're going to utilize it and learn extra tunes and you know hopefully some people will be out there and go holy crap i can't believe they're playing <laughs> blah 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 i don't want to give any of them away although i saw ron did give one away online already so <laughs> in, in doing deeper cuts do you have more freedom to to play what you want to play so for for the hits i we've talked about this before you know when you first joined the band ron wanted you to play closely to what the previous guitar players had done but now yeah. do do you get if it's a deeper cut that less people know do you get more freedom or are you still going with with what was already recorded I think I try to be musical you know and I think that's what they respect is is that sometimes I don't do exactly what the old guitar player before me did um, but as long as I make it part of the song and you know there's a song they play called rock and roll rock and roll hell and uh and the solo on the record is a very different feel than what I heard in the song and what I played in the song. And when I started playing the solo the way I was playing it, those guys were like, see, this is how we imagined it, more of an ACDC. He, he took it into more of like a modal rock kind of okay. feel uh, on the thing. And it sounded more like a, what, a Peter Frampton, but the song is a, a, a blatant homage to ACDC. I mean, and so <laughs> to not play that Angusy kind of cool blues licks like, you know, just seemed, seemed like a travesty. So when, you know, the first rehearsal, when I started playing it, I just, I used his outline. He had a, a way that he moved tonally up the neck and kind of really reached a, a big, you know, a big peak. And then um, went into like this other kind of modal feel. And when he went into the modal feel, I kind of did my own thing, but I kind of followed his, his outline. So it doesn't sound completely foreign. Right. I, I tried to kind of keep his formula, but I'm not playing any of his licks. If okay. That makes any yeah, sense. Yeah. <laughs> and are you taking that approach to all of these newer ones or are you picking and choosing and again, going with what you think feels right? 
I, I think what you said, what feels right. Some of them, I mean, there was one one of the newer songs that Ron goes, I don't care what you play on it. I never liked the solo on the album. So, and he goes, and as a matter of fact, we only did the pattern three times, which seems stupid. So we're going to do it eight times. So you just do an extended solo. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Are you trying to tell a guitar player to keep soloing? <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> And this will be the third year in a row, not counting pandemic times, right? It'll be the third third consecutive tour in the fallish for Little Caesar, right? Uh, this will be the second for Little Caesar. Okay. So we did we did Little Caesar in September, and then Cruzados in April, and now we're going back with Caesar in September. But so you, this is our third consecutive, but we haven't been there since 2018 before right. the pandemic. Okay, right. Um, so when you when you think about what you're going to do for gear, is it significantly different from from then? Are you thinking, oh, now I only want to play tellies and I was playing Les Pauls before and we're going to have a different back line, so I don't care. You know, does any of that matter to, to you at this point as a guitar player? Not really, but I always have fun, like, switching up pedals. Uh, and, you know, I always – I go through my love affair with guitars, and I'm not sure which guitar to play. And then I, I find one that I can't stop playing. And right now it's the gold top. It's going everywhere with me, and I'm playing it all the time. And it just feels good. It sounds good. And I pick up other guitars, and I go, okay, these are fun, but this gold top just has something. So that's already on the list. It's, it's definitely going. My pedal board – I decided to add a little multi-effects pedal, and I found this really cheap Chinese pedal on Amazon Day. Seriously, like 20 bucks. <laughs> and it's got like 10 or 11 effects, and maybe half are good and half are just awful. But the ones that are good are the ones I'm going to use, and, and they, they, they're they doable. They, they sound pretty decent for but, what I need it for. But this is not like guitar forum-approved gear, right? So if you're oh, – if, no. if, if we're thinking about guitar forums, you know, where these guys spend – 1300 on their clan you are doing the wrong thing so right right but are they traveling through europe for a <laughs> month and a half playing you know i mean our schedule i don't know if you've seen it yet but we're going like five nights in a row one night off five nights in a row one night off six nights in a row one night off five nights in a row one night off so we are just just going like right. so my gear needs to hold up i'm i can't Go, you know, and moving so much, I can't ha take a chance on expensive good things being stolen. And my gold top will go everywhere with me. I go, you know, like it goes to my hotel room. It goes, you know, in the truck that parks against the wall when we're in the restaurant. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like I'm psycho. <laughs> so you, you'll literally bring it everywhere. If you have to <clears throat> go to a rest stop, are you going to bring it into the restroom with you? No, no, I don't get that that psycho. No, no, no. I've played with guitar players that that okay. are that psycho. But you know, I mean, I'm just I'm just cautious. You know, I make sure it goes into my hotel room. I don't ever leave it in the van overnight. You know right. what I mean? Or right. if we're going into the city, you know, I, I do the old thing in my hotel room where my my TV is always on and loud. You know, and in Europe, as as you probably know, you have to leave your key in a lot of the doors. So mm -hmm. I just steal the keys from the hotel room. So when I get in the room, I just leave the key in there and turn my TV on and people hopefully assume I'm there and would never want to break in and steal my shit. Hopefully, you know, knock on wood. <laughs> Does, are you anticipating this tour to be significantly different in terms of uh, crowd interaction or just your, your band approach to it? Cause, cause again, so you're sharing members from Crusados and Little Caesar, right? And so now you've done this a few times. Are you functionally expecting it to be, 
the same. Like you, you know what to expect and you can just go and do it. I, I honestly, I think the further we get away from the pandemic and not that we're not stealing, dealing with COVID. I mean, obviously I know people recently who've gotten it, you know, I know it's not going away, but the people I know are, are vaccinated and you know, they're getting sick, you know, which, which happens, you know, but the further we get away from the pandemic itself, I, I'm, saying is I think the more people are going to come and I think it's I, I feel pretty confident that we're going to have a pretty good tour in the fact that you know Ron put up hey work it up songs we haven't played in 30 years for this tour and I think we had over a thousand like like kind right. of interactions yeah. and like 250 comments it was something like that I couldn't believe people cool. saying I hope you're playing this hope you're playing that so just that in itself made me go man that's you know we have tons of fans that don't even use Facebook and fans that do use Facebook that don't interact. So just knowing those little right. things, if you add those extra numbers up, I think, you know, and there's shows that I know, you know, like Krefeld's already sold out, you know, like they go on tour, they go on sale and they just sell out immediately because there's certain areas in Germany, certain areas of France where we just do well. We're playing that Ramses festival with the darkness. Like we're the only other band that's, international right. other than the right. darkness you know what i mean so it's like th that should be fun and interesting and our festivals we've played in france have always been packed and people have been just super like uh, maybe awesome. i need just to come like, over just for that and be your guitar tech i think just <laughs> for that show <laughs> yeah well we're going to spain too and and little caesar hasn't been to spain since 2015 and wow. so people are pumped about i mean even when we were there with uh the cruzados it was sold out and people were like this they're like it's going to be oversold when little caesar's in here and i mean and it was like people on people and man it's it, i'm really looking forward to to that cool. and the funny thing is i have a, a a director that i work for named wally fister and he's actually going to be working a production in spain when we're going to be oh, there cool. he thinks he's going to be in barcelona when we're playing and wants to go that's great so yeah that be just so cool if, if that happened. I just read that Billy Sheehan, famous bass player that everybody knows, is not going on the Sons of Apollo South American trek that's coming up. Um, Why's that? And it's cryptic. It's like for personal reasons. And uh, now, of course, the speculation is because he's Scientologist, which I didn't know. You didn't um, know that? No, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, he's deep, deep. And he's not vaccinated. So you can't get into Brazil if you're not vaccinated. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, if he deserves it, he deserves it. So Right, right. Well, I mean, I guess go with your beliefs, yeah. you know, but I just even I, if I even if they involve uh, alien ghosts and volcanoes and spirits and that sort of stuff. Right, and me meeting up in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cool. Well, it is so good to talk to you. What I would like to do now is um, one of the more popular Mark Tremalia episodes, Marky T episodes, was the episode <laughs> where we did the hot takes. So nice. people love to hear your opinion on things. Uh, <laughs> I hate giving my opinion. <laughs> so we are going to do that right now. Are you ready, Mark? I'm ready. All right. 90% of the time, the studio recording is better than a live recording, but the exceptions are absolutely amazing. So most, so th this person is saying most of the time the studio recording is better, but in those rare instances when the live recording is better, it's transcendently better. Agree? I, 
I think it's aesthetics, you know, like, do you prefer, because some people just prefer the sound of recorded music. Some people have no inclination to enjoying live bands that still love to listen to music. So I think it's a hard one to really pass judgment on. But I will say that, you know, live albums have always been my favorite growing up. I mean, from at Fillmore East to Live Bootleg to Song Remains the Same to um, Kiss Alive, Kiss Alive 2. Like, those were the albums I always put on because the roar of the crowd, just to hear that, used to, like, give me tingles. So, so yeah, there's something about live music that is really spectacular, but that's a hard one to 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 really say what's right and what's wrong. Cheap Trick Live at Budokan was the first album where I thought, wow, this is awesome. Man, the first time I heard uh, Ain't That a Shame, I was like, whoa, like I never (laughs) heard people scream like that before on that record. I forgot about that one. What a great one. All right, next. Country music has strayed so far from its roots, it might as well just be shitty pop music. I think if you're talking that country pop stuff, sure. But I think there's, again, some great artists out there that people just don't know about. Sturgill Simpson or, uh, you know, Billy Strings or guys like there's some guys that are very rootsy and doing some great stuff. You know, if you look at the jam band scene and the Allman Brothers scene and, you know, they kind of cross over to some of those cool guys. I mean, heck, even what's that Zach Brown? I mean, that guy's like those guys are all great musicians in that band. So, you know. I think it's if you're if you're just judging what's on the hot 100 or whatever, <laughs> like I'm 90. Is there really a hot 100? I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, um, you know, if you're judging it by that, I would say, yeah, country music's pretty crappy. You know, there's hooks in there, but but they got guys in suits figuring out the algorithm of the hook that needs to go in the song, <laughs> make people hook and listen to it enough, the right words that are proper. You know what I mean? That's what right. that's what it feels like to me is like it's it's like corporate country right. more so than than like good music. But I think there's some really good country out there still. So it's just a matter of of, of searching and finding it. So. so then going along with that, older in air quotes music isn't necessarily better than today's music. It's just that the older music we still listen to has stood the test of time. And the shitty stuff has been mostly forgotten. So lots of old music is bad, too, right, is the point here. Heck, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. There's some old music that is just awful. I mean, there's a lot of unlistenable stuff that was really big at its time, you know? And and again, everybody's ears are different. Everybody listens to music differently. You know, I find from teaching guitar, I, I find... You know, like Kelly, she listens to lyrics. She listens to singers. She doesn't hear the bass. Like, she cannot hear the bass in a song. I'll go, do you hear that right there? That's the bass. And she goes, just not, I'm not feeling it. I don't, I don't know, you know? So everybody hears things in a different capacity. And, and, and that's, you know, what you enjoy, what's good and what you, you know, internalize and, and, and judge and then spit out is basically you. You know what I mean? It's one person's opinion and there's three billion people on earth. So who's really to say what's good and bad? You know, look at like like the Macarena or uh, what's that 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 (laughs) song, that Gangnam style. You know what I mean? Like, really, it's it's like it's it's commercial. It's McDonald's for music. But people love McDonald's. So people are going to love this song. There's something that hooked them in the song. And then again, the scientists at the record labels go to work and go, how do we copy the song a (laughs) hundred times so we can make a hundred million dollars? Because all we care about is, is that, you know, and then true artists are trying to write real music that gets overlooked constantly. But that's the late 80s scene that you were a part of, right? Those bands became popular in LA. And then now every band is trying to copy that or every label wants to sign every band that sounds like that. Isn't that just the cyclical nature of music 
think so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you are what you eat, right? And all those bands in the 80s were all listening to the bands they were trying to play like, you know? I mean, especially the guitar players. They're going, I want to play faster than Ingve. I want to play faster than George Lynch, you know? I'm going to play all his licks, you know? No one no one had the foresight to listen to something different slash did you yeah. know and look at yeah. why we talk about slash steve stevens did look at why we listen to steve stevens he's like oh flamenco and this type of music you know what i mean <laughs> and, and look what it did to his style it gave him something unique whereas you know there's I, I could name a bunch of guys from 80s rock bands that didn't go anywhere that people thought were great players but if you asked them their influences they would go george lynch and warren d martini and right. jakey lee and it's like oh that's that those you can't you can't build on a house of cards you know what i mean like right. you have to you have to like reach deep and that was the first lesson i learned from stevie ray was like you always go back you know stevie ray loved albert king so i immediately went to albert king and my brother said well if you like albert king you'd listen to albert collins and then you know it it, it went from there and you know bob bob loved like you know, the blues music. He just thought that was so cool to open me up to that. But Fred, at the same time, would go and have this great music collection. And I'd go, man, here's Fred's Aerosmith record, but then here's Fred's Earth, Wind & Fire record, right. you know? Yeah. And then Nancy would go, here, you can have these records. And there's Tommy and Zeppelin Four, you know? And then and, and then Ellen, she's like, oh, and here's here's uh, the Beatles. And here's like, uh, what goes up uh, uh, earth wind and fire you know so like all this music is getting thrown at me so that's gonna really give me a lot of different tastes in music and it's gonna really open my mind up to other options musically whereas somebody that grows up in a household where they're just listening to hank williams it's gonna be hard for them to understand the concept of miles davis or of right. you know even ingve you know for that matter so it's like you know being able to to to, to you know to, to absorb all that music and, and and enjoy it and find different things in all that music. One that you of the love. many benefits of being the baby in the family. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I had great brothers and sisters. They take great care of me, <laughs> even though I know I'm, I'm the 53 year old baby. <laughs> Next Nirvana is only revered in God tier status because they didn't have enough time to start making mediocre to bad albums. Wait, uh, say that again. Nirvana. Who, which band? Nirvana. Oh, Nirvana. Yeah. So they're only revered now because they didn't, they weren't around long enough to make crappy albums. I, that's Monday morning quarterback. You know what right. I mean? Who cares? Yeah. They left a legacy here that's pretty incredible of songs that were well written and that had dynamics, that had amazing hooks in them that people love. Oh, who's to like judge and say what 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 or where they would be at any time? You you don't even know. The dude could have taken an acoustic guitar and written the greatest song you ever heard in your life, and been revered as the next John Lennon. Or take you know who's John Lennon because now this Kurt Cobain guy is is led. You know what right. I mean? We yeah. just don't know. So yeah. like that again is like I'm not gonna play that game. I just did. <laughs> there are only <laughs> two Irish folk songs: the fast one and the slow one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, easy. All right, here's one of my favorites. Uh, I never liked the Beatles. I don't care how influ influential they have been. I don't care how successful they were or how much they sold over the years. I don't care what anyone else thinks of them. I don't like them, and I never did. I hate you. I don't know. I mean, is there something else I'm supposed to say to that? I don't know. No, uh, 
you know, if you want to go back to it, Paul, it's the same thing. Like some people's influences just don't mesh. That mel right. melodic sound, whatever they're doing, just doesn't connect. And no matter how hard you try to connect, I mean, there's music that I was told I should connect with my whole life. And, and some of it I tried and eventually did. And some of it I tried and I just was like, you know what, I give up, you know? And I mean, I could, I could name names, Bruce Springsteen, my whole life. People have told me I got to like this guy and I've listened to stuff and some of it is all right, but I just, I don't know. I just don't get it. Right. It doesn't draw me in. It doesn't right. catch me. It doesn't make me want to listen to it over and over again. I appreciate it. I don't think it's bad, but dang, it does nothing for me. For, so, the, for the Beatles, it's, it's almost as if I have no opinion, right? It's not that I don't like them. It's just that it doesn't, grab me it doesn't move me which is basically right. what you're saying right yeah now. yeah exactly you know i mean you but, gotta get but whoever wrote this is taking their opinion far too seriously so we'll move on okay <laughs> so this is something for the older guys like us okay they should not play 80s and 90s music on the oldies air quotes radio stations they should play actual oldies and 80s and 90s should have its own cool genre name <laughs> that's funny I mean, that's just trying to make yourself feel better for oldies music because when we were kids in the 70s, what did they play on the oldies? Right. 60s and 50s. Right. So, exactly. like, exactly. you can't have your cake and eat it too. We're, it's oldies, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Just because you can play or write something complex doesn't mean you should. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that statement because I just think sometimes there's guys who try so hard that I hear the craziest thing is when I hear a new song and it has a riff and a melody that draws me in and then it goes to some crazy prog thing that just <laughs> has nothing to do with what just drew me in. You right. know, and I get that there's people yeah. that appreciate that and there's a dynamic to it that's really alluring to some people. But for me, it's like, I like where you're going. Why are you? No. Then I turn it off. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so it happens <laughs> alright next all music should declare what key it's in like classical music does so that's hilarious now quotations <laughs> anyway here's Wonderwall in G major <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think I'm going to bring that up to Ron maybe we should do this tour like alright who, who remembers the 80s we're going to play uh, Chain of Fools in the key of A Mark take it <laughs> It would be, it would be amazing because one of my, I, in a, in a more recent podcast, I was talking to someone in one of my current pet peeves with younger bands. One of the things I want to tell younger bands is don't introduce every song. All right. This next song is about this and this, and here's the name of it. Don't do that. And don't introduce your band members every five seconds because nobody cares. But those are things that young bands do. And like, you know, as I said, I'm sure I did it. I'm sure you did it because you think it's important. You think that these are things that people want to hear. And right. they don't. <laughs> I saw a band called Honey Tribe recently. They opened for the Black Crows and they're a brand new band out of L.A. And they're they're getting some friction because obviously they played the Forum opening right. up for the Black Crows. Right. And they had a great set. It was like 25 minutes long. They played like the three familiar songs to start. And then in between the next like four songs, the drummer would just play a solo. And then he would start the beat of the next song and the singer would introduce him as the beat would start and the, the band would play the song. And then the next song, the bass player would come out. He'd do a solo and then he'd start the song. That's cool. yeah. It was like yeah. a really cool way yeah. to go about it. And then after they did all the introductions and they had their own little moment, they played like two more songs, which are covers, and the place went like 
honestly, I've never heard an opening band get such Ooh. a reaction from 19,000 people before. And I was like, that idea, they just, they, yeah. they sat down and thought up, how do we keep people and yeah, like do some yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah. Did That's it. cool. All right. Just a few more here. Um, yeah. 80s jazz fusion is the best fusion. The cheesier and shreddier, the better. <laughs> oh, my God. The 80s jazz fusion was so bad because I thought the tones just killed me. Like some of the glassier tones I kind of liked, but some, I mean, it just, it sounded like, like, um, like circus ride music or carnival ride music. That's what I'm looking for. You know, it just sounded like you were going through like the tunnel of love or whatever. Like it was just bad. Like, and just, I mean, the playing was good and some of the progressions were good, but it was bad. I will say Alan Holdsworth, Metal Fatigue, which came out in 86 or 87 is one of my favorite pieces of music of all time. Right. But it definitely suffers from some bad sounding music. Right, right, yeah. Well, that's that era where we switched over from quarter inch to the the right. video cassette, basically. Right. I can't remember what the the name of the 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 medium was, but ADAT. Um, ADAT, I think ADAT. ADAT. There you go, ADAT. Yeah, and so you can hear a lot of that eighty stuff yeah. when it really shrunk, you know. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Last one here. Um, if a musician's excuse for not studying theory and harmony is, quote, "I want to put my soul into my music. I don't want to do math." then they're probably just lazy. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I struggle with all the theory stuff, especially being a teacher and especially being that guy. Honestly, when I was younger, I was like, I don't think Stevie Ray knows the difference between Dorian and Aeolian, you know, mm -hmm. but I realized I needed it, you know, and especially for what I wanted to do as a musician and I wanted to get better. And that's the other thing right. is like, you know, guys like that, I'm not saying they don't want to get better. But what I'm saying is they're already happy with what they're doing. You know, there's like guys I played with and I know they don't care about studying anything. They don't they don't try to figure out songs. They don't try to study scales. They just they know they can do this shit and they can write a few tunes with these chords. So I'm sticking with it, you know, and God bless them, you know. But for me, it just I'd feel stagnant. I'd feel like a tree that was growing under a roof and I, I can't go any any higher out of the house, you know, and it's like I, I want to always if I want to listen to heavy metal and then I want to listen to Miles Davis right. and then I want to listen to Hank Williams and then I want to listen to Slipknot and then I want to listen to Rat and then I want to <laughs> listen to Dexy's Midnight Riders and then I want you know like I just I like everything you know and like it's it's crazy having Spotify because my mood can change in one second and I can literally go yeah. like I've been into the Jurassic 5 the rap Group yeah, yeah, you know, and like I could listen to them, and then one one second go, oh my god, I want to hear that you know solo from Ingve, and I put on Ingve, and it's like wow, like I well, have the well, ability. To I think one of the interesting things is since I've taken lessons from you, and you've you've taught me theory and some of this stuff. What becomes yeah. easier is figuring out songs because now I'm yeah. not starting from zero every time, right, and right. not having any idea and having to learn each chord just as if it was the first thing ever written, right? You start to recognize, okay, there's actually a pattern here. And if I can figure out one note, I can figure out all the rest. Right. Isn't that a great light bulb? All of a sudden you go, oh my God, you know, one, four, five, everything is one, four, five, one, four, six, five. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, now there's just a little variation of it. And it's like, but they're all the same. It's like, it's just a different rhythm or a different, you know, change of measure, you know, right. like it's, so it's, yeah, it's, right. it's a cool light bulb. <laughs> it, is a, it is a very cool light bulb. Well, I want to thank everyone who's listening and supporting the podcast. It is very much appreciated. It has been nice to uh, reconnect with, 
with my old friend Marky e. T. It's been a while, but I think we're going to try to get back into the groove here a little bit now that he's slowing yeah. down, at least until he goes on tour. And then we'll try to get tour reports as we've done in the past. Absolutely. We'll definitely get tour reports. <laughs> All right, buddy. You have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, brother. Talk to you soon.